with this kid's book. I go to a university because, you know, you do kids, but you do adults who, who are studying the thing or reading it to their kids. And they are like, well, but, you know, also we have to take into consideration American imperialism. And I was <laughs> like, and how do you take that into account when, you know, when the when the mainstream narrative does does the opposite and i'm like the mainstream narrative is exactly what you're saying this we have to just say that this is the reverse the mainstream narrative is what you're saying what i'm saying is not the mainstream narrative welcome to the next episode of pancom podcast where we start to talk serious issues about Cuba. Daunting. <laughs> is it daunting? It is. Man, I feel like we've been living this daunting conversational life for like... When we... Uh, so the fir- first time we did... what? Yeah, we we got to reintroduce the guests because some people might have just started oh. listening to this one. <laughs> They're just like, this is a daunting guest. <laughs> this is daunting me. I'm <laughs> just the daunting host. It's not even the daunting guest. I'm the daunting host. I'll do another one just because I'm I'm re- we're about to start talking about Cuba, so I'm ready for another drink. Yeah, uh, Vanessa Garcia, our wonderful, wonderful guest on part two of her episode. This is the third time technically she's been on Pancom I podcast, know. and um, welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> I just I, I want to refer back to the 2019 episode we had. Was it 2019? Yes. Yes, yeah, 2019 episode. That we had, that I felt like the four of us were so emotionally heated. Yeah. I was, I, I, I remember personally for me, I was so emotionally heated, right? Because at that moment, I was trying to tell a story and nobody was listening because yeah. th- like the restaurant was, you know, kind of people came. Yeah. Now people come. Yeah. Now you got to, now you got to star. <laughs> <laughs> now people come. Yeah. And I remember when I was, um, I just did a few events with Michelin over the last like month mm-hmm. and I was talking to two of the representatives, well, several, and I was like, you know, I feel like you, you guys don't know this, but there's really no Cuban American representation in your entire portfolio because they don't care about that stuff. Like yeah. that's not their thing. It's food on a plate for mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't think you guys quite understand how important that is to me. Yeah. Like we, uh, we actualized a vision that happened, I mean, 15 years ago. Like we want, we want the world to know our story of food and how it could develop. So when we recorded this in 2019, I was like, just like hungry for people to listen. Now people are listening. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's been a very interesting post. Yeah. Now people are listening. Mm-hmm. But people have are have been listening to you. <laughs> they ha- they have been listening to you, yeah. Yes. Yeah. People are listening. Yeah. And it's just interesting now to like feel that feeling like. Um, it's, yeah. It's very now that you're actually saying it in those terms. It's kind of crazy to think about where we were in 2019 mm-hmm. and where we are right now, right. and all the things that happened in the middle. But also like. This little stall that's happening right now that I don't know what, like, it's like this bumpy moment, but, but it's, yes, there's a huge difference. I mean, I feel like 
we were talking into a void and then all of a sudden last year we were talking and people were like oh that is happening in cuba oh yeah that's happening like, I, it just it, it's kind of it's mind-boggling to me that on this podcast mm-hmm. we've had rosa maria on this podcast yeah. twice yeah nick you're i think uh, uh, once once she's been on the podcast I'm going to finish this one. This is the chaser. Um, <laughs> yeah, she, she was she's been on it once, but then she came. She had like a, a little uh, interlude uh, mm-hmm. during the Norman Van Aken live podcast. Oh. So we did, a, we, had a, we did an event How here. Fun. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, we did an event here. It was uh, an audience of like 15 or so restaurateurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Mike and Norman talking where the two of you are now. And this was maybe like a week after July 11. Oh, okay. Uh, and so we invited her to the dinner, but of course at that time she had all kinds of stuff going on. Oh but we invited her to the, the, the idea was to have restaurant owners uh, here doing talking restaurant owner stuff. And it was like, well, we'll have a little captive audience. Let's insert her. What she ended up doing was she kind of came by, interrupted the thing for like 25 minutes. And people were super engaged. I mean, yeah. Not, yeah. not to take it in another direction, but you just met uh, uh, Falco upstairs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this probably didn't come up in the conversation while you guys were talking, but um, you might have seen her and others post. I think maybe Vicky went and had it. Uh, they were doing uh, like a picadillo pizza that mm. the proceeds from that were going to Guadalajara. So it was effective in the sense that like, yeah. uh, you know, when she talks, people start listening. Yeah. And people uh-huh. here clearly like started listening. So yeah. it was cool to see. Very cool. For you, what, what, how do you think that happened? How that people think, were how? not listening and then they started to listen. For you. Well, because... Let's uh, Cuban food in general. Uh-huh. I mean, it's looked at as like a five to ten dollar range right. thing, which always bothered me mm-hmm. because we're worth more than that. Yeah, we are more than that as a culture, as a people, as a story. We are more than that, and I want to be on the international stage. Mm-hmm. I want to be. I want to yeah. help put us on like. Because food, everyone likes food, mm-hmm. right? But there's a story behind food. Yeah. So now if you learn about the story behind the food and why the food exists, maybe you start to care about the story just a little bit more. Right. And then when you care about the story a little bit more, then maybe like shit changes for you. Thanks to our sponsor, Aganorsa Leaf Cigars. Aganorsa Leaf is renowned throughout the world for its signature flavor that possesses all the great attributes of Nicaraguan terroir, along with classic Cuban aroma and flavor. Aganorsa Leaf is pleased to announce a brand new edition of Guardian of the Farm, Cerberus, named after the mythical three-headed hound that stood watch at the gates of Hades. This exciting new Nicaraguan puro, uses 100% Aganorsa leaf tobacco and is wrapped in Aganorsa's new Corojo 2012 cover leaf, which adds a level of complexity to the blend, adding light spice and a rich, smooth body to the blend. When you smoke one of our world-class blends, you will experience the difference between ordinary tobacco and Aganorsa leaf. That's why we say our leaf is our strength. Learn more about Aganorsa leaf and use their store locator and find a cigar shop near you that carries their products at www.aganorsaleaf.com. The two of us smoke Aganorsa Leaf cigars often. We also offer them to a lot of our guests, like, for example, Dave Arvello, who every time I post a picture of a, a Cerberus, 
mentions to me in my DMs or in a text how cool the band is, which it actually is a pretty slick-looking band. Um, but also, I just want to note a little personal anecdote here so it's not all totally straight-up red. I can say that uh, Michael Beltran will absolutely not only vouch for the quality of Aganorsa cigars, yeah. but you met a uh, Miami legend and handed him an Aganorsa cigar. I did meet uh, uh, a Miami legend. I was smoking nearby Alonzo Morning, and we had a conversation about cigars, and he handed me one of his, and I went inside. I bought this exact same cigar, and I handed Alonzo Morning this Aganorsa cigar, and I said, try this. Thank me later. I mean, if that's not an endorsement, I don't know what is. Aganorsaleaf.com. Introducing the newest line from Jura State Cigars. 20 Acre Farm is a complex, refined, and medium body cigar with a super oaky and cedary notes accompanied by a whisper of white pepper and a bright hint of citrus. Built at La Gran Fabrica, Drew Estate in Nicaragua using a velvety, and I mean velvety, Ecuadorian Connecticut shade grown wrapper. Under that wrapper is a sun-grown Habano binder and a filler blend of Nicaraguan tobaccos from Esteli and Jalapa in perfect balance with the opulent and majestic Florida sun-grown leaf. Florida sun-grown is also the name of the farm where that tobacco is lovingly grown and harvested by Jeff Borshoix, who's the guy you see in this video playing behind us. Uh, on his pristine 20-acre plot of land near the central Florida town of Claremont. I have actually been to that farm, along with plenty of other cigar tobacco farms in Mexico, Central America, and the Dominican Republic. And what Jeff, who, by the way, is a very nice guy, there's actually a cigar box signed by Jeff hanging on my wall. Uh, what Jeff is doing there is super legit. Uh, so it's always cool to see products like his, which is the only premium cigar tobacco grown in Florida, um, in products from a company like Drew Estate. Plus, 20 Acre Farm being a Drew Estate product means it's the creation of master blender and Pancom podcast guest, Willie Herrera. Support our guests and sponsors. Get it online. Ask your local cigar shop about 20 Acre Farm by Drew Estate. Learn more about Drew Estate and use their store locator to find a cigar shop near you that carries their products at DrewEstate.com. That's right. I'm probably going to smoke one of those right now. I, what are we waiting for? Yeah. You know, I was in New York two weeks ago. I met this very interesting Spanish man. Mm-hmm. And I was, he was, he was such a sweet man. And I was wearing <laughs> uh, the same this shirt. This could go in so many directions. I'm right. <laughs> But I was wearing the same shirt that I wear to all like events that people take pictures at. Yeah. It's the Patria Vida shirt. Uh-huh. And he was like, I really like that. I'm like, tell me why. Yeah. And he's telling me this whole story, how much he loves Cuban, how much he's, he loves the story of like striving for freedom. Mm-hmm. And we had this whole like conversation. Hold on one second. Come on. Just come sit. These guys. Just come and sit. You guys are so awkward standing outside. It's so weird. Just so everyone knows, uh, Carlos Escanilla and John Falco have entered the room. They're not allowed to talk because Nick has said they're not allowed to talk. But they are now, we now have an audience. We have guests. We have guests. So I'm sitting in the the Michelin after party. Mm -hmm. And this guy, he's just talking to me. He's talking to me for like 30 minutes about how much this story means to him Mm -hmm. being a Spaniard. Yeah. Right. And like 
the story of freedom really matters to him and how much like he's connected with people in Cuba and how much he like he's trying his best, which he's in the booze industry mm -hmm. to do whatever he can for the people to be free. Uh -huh. And I just connected with this guy randomly in New York and we had this great conversation of this human I had never met before. And the only reason I met him is because I want a Michelin star and I was in New York to do a thing over there. Yeah. And it's even more than that. It's like I'll randomly walk to a place and people see the pig in the parachute and they're like, yeah, I know that. And I know the story and I understand what area does. Mm -hmm. The volumes of that are huge. Yeah. Because when we did this three years ago, we were trying, we were pushing for that to have volume. Yeah. We were like, you know, like when you, it's kind of like when, you put music on in your room and you're a kid uh -huh. and you just put it kind of loud and then your parents don't bitch and then you put it a little Tested. bit louder uh -huh. and then they still don't bitch and you're like, fuck it. And you just fucking ride with it <laughs> and you put it super loud. Yeah. Like now we're super loud yeah. and I want to be super loud. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a company, I mean, mm -hmm. three years ago when we did this, none of the other shit existed. Chugs didn't exist. Right. Um, the Gibson didn't exist. Yeah. Laurel didn't exist. Nave didn't exist. None of that shit existed. Yeah, so right. now it's like the we have amplified the situation. Yeah. Which to me matters more than all the other stuff that comes with it. Which yep. like, you know, obviously accolades are cool. You know, financial stability is great because three years ago when we met, financial stability was not a thing. Uh -huh. So it's just, it means a lot to me because... Now I think that we've pushed food to a point that like the story matters because yeah. you're it's not just you're eating to eat you're eating because like there's a story behind it yeah yeah which is the same reason that people read a book yeah I mean I feel like what happened to to me personally during these these last couple of years was that I was I had been I've been writing about Cuba for twenty years but. To who? You know what I mean? Like who right. was who was reading this stuff? It was there. So if you look stuff up, you could find it, and that mattered to me. Like here's another version of the Elian story. Here's another version of here's the stuff that's out there, you know, and here are the facts. And here's the story. But then at some point after after July eleventh, um, I was like, you know, I feel the need to do something that I've never done, which is put my face on Instagram and just start talking to you. Right. And it felt like everything that I had been, I mean, it was like, you know, pre-birth pre from the womb information mm. to then like PhD stuff and what my, my, my PhD was focused on. All that was like inside and it was just like, brrr, I felt like, a, like it was just like the moment to talk about all of it and it just happened and people responded and it felt incredibly strange because it hadn't happened before. Well, that's good. That's good. That's a good thing to say. Yeah. The the strange feeling, right? Yeah. Because um, I was like, I didn't even. It was like it was kind of like I wasn't in Miami on July 11th. I was in where was I? Like some Georgia place, like <laughs> <laughs> really, really the Midwest somewhere. Right. And I I was like on my phone and I was frantic and I was like, I need to get back to Miami. And I went for a run and all Love I could that. think was like all of Cuba in my head. And I just had to stop running in the middle of, you know, Georgia 
and and just get on and be like, guys, this is really important, and just say all of this stuff the day before. And this is where I'm like, what the hell is with the like universal? I don't know what happening the day before. I had gone on and said because this is true. I quit smoking a long time ago, and I love. I love the cigarettes, but same. just don't do it. Yeah, same. But th the day that that Cuba is free, I've allowed myself to smoke all day that day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. So I went on and said this stupid thing the day before July 11th. On July 10th, I have a post that says that. And people are like, did you know? I was like, no. I had no fucking clue. How would I know? Well, universe says things. Yeah. Yeah, I believe that. But that was the night before. I think that like the the strange feeling at Nick and I have spoken about this before in the past. So over the last uh I don't know, I would say it's more over the last 18 months. Mm -hmm. I was asked to do two different shows. And every time they come to me to do these shows, which one is on CNN, another one is on Hulu. Mm -hmm. And it's like, "Well, you are like the authority on Cuban whatever mm -hmm. in Miami and I'm like what <laughs> me like yeah I'm yeah. I'm I'm the authority on being loud yeah I'm the authority on telling talking shit I'm the authority on telling people to go fuck themselves yeah. but the authority of like a whole culture nah nah let's chill let's all relax yeah. let's all take a deep breath yeah I'm gonna tell people the things that should have been said many years ago but in reality like I mean like classic Cuban food, I don't cook the best. I still think my grandparents cooked the best. Yeah. You know, we have done riffs on Cuban food. We have done our own versions of Cuban food, but we don't do Cuban food, right? We do what I see Cuban food right. to be in 2022. Yeah. And I remember having this conversation with Nick. What was it like a year ago, probably? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure what Yeah, you probably don't remember. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what, what conversation you're... Well, because I told him, I was like, I've, I'm... I feel like a little under the gun here. Mm -hmm. Like, am I prepared to do this? Am I prepared mm -hmm. to be the the voice of these things? Because this might have been around the the when we were looking at the pilot or the trailer of Luda Can't Cook, <laughs> right? Maybe not Luda Can't Cook pilot, but yeah, it was it was it was right about the time because I did the Hulu show and that was cool, and then we did the Luda show, which was very fun. And then they asked me to do the CNN show. Uh -huh. And I'm like, fuck. I mean, it was a CNN show that's connected to the same production crew that did Bourdain's show. That's amazing. And I was like, fuck, man. Like, I mean, that show was very Miami related. But, you know, for me, it all is the same thing. Yeah. So I was like, I don't, I mean, I don't see myself as an authority on anything. I see myself as, uh, I, I say this all the time about the podcast that we did in 2019, mm -hmm. which is the one quote that we said there that has rung for me always, like we are the children of the lost, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I say that shit all the time because we are, because mm -hmm. we're a group of kids that we came here because our parents gave us a better life. Right. And we've just kind of been lost in trying to grab at strings of like who we really are. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to figure out this whole process and this whole like journey of like, okay, so what is being Cuban American or Cuban to us? Mm -hmm. And this is what it means to me. It doesn't mean this is what it means to everyone. Right. 
right. means it's a different story for everybody. Some people don't care. Some people do care. Some people care a lot. Um, it's It was like a, I felt pressure. And I talked to Nick about it because I feel like he would understand yeah. more than a lot of people would understand. And, you know, we had long conversations about it, but it was like it's very much, I think, post star pre-star mm -hmm. it was kind of similar between the both which is so this is who i am mm -hmm. this is what the world sees me as so just be that right but still it's a heavy responsibility yeah you can't fuck up thanks <laughs> thanks mom <laughs> i appreciate that but it's true we're all in that place where it's like you know don't fuck up um but also i feel like people people got really scared in in this moment because we're like we've been talking in this circle for so long right and then it's like oh now we're talking to you guys who like before we're looking at us like we had three heads but now like we're actually not just bouncing off sound you're actually something's getting through right and it feels like scary yeah. And people were freaking out. And I, I like I got a lot of people being like, I want to post things, but I'm a little scared. And, nah, nah, nah. and I was like, you know, nobody can tell you that your story is not your story. So right. just tell your freaking story. That's all you have to do, because that is no one can say that that's not true. That well, I mean, the more is. the more we vocalize any story, yeah. whether it's your story or someone else's story or whatever, it still pulls all this deep-rooted yeah. shit that no one has talked yeah. about for 60 mm -hmm. years up to the forefront and been like, this is a thing. Yeah. You know, it's funny. He mentions the, the Luda thing, right? Because mm -hmm. it's kind of like a joke. Like, we did this Luda show. Luda was great. He was amazing. <laughs> the whole show was amazing. But the one thing that stuck out, stuck out to me the most mm -hmm. was, you know, we're like filming. I'm not like great on TV. I do my best. But I'm not like a big TV person. Mm -hmm. And I remember him telling me, uh, like, in the first 20 minutes, he was like, you know, you seem like a dude that has a lot to say. And I'm like, we're just getting warmed up. <laughs> yeah. So as we go into the thing, he tells me, like, he's a big cigar guy. Uh -huh. I'm like, cool. So what kind of cigars do you smoke? He's like, I smoke Cubans. I'm like, that sucks, man. <laughs> and he's like, why is that? I'm like, well, because, I mean, you're smoking communism. Yeah. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I mean, every dollar you smoke of a Cuban cigar goes back to a, a government that suppresses people. He's like, well, I don't like that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I mean, neither do I. Yeah. And I was like, maybe you should rethink that. And he's like, so as we go for like the, through the three days of filming, mm -hmm. on the third day, we're filming at Chugs and he's like, we're uh, drinking rum in the kitchen, which is not like a thing for us. But like, <laughs> you know, we're drinking rum and we're like doing this whole thing. And he's like, you know, man. I thought about it a lot, and he's like, and I don't know if this is true or not. Uh -huh. It could not be true. Yeah. But if there's an inkling of truth, he says, um, you know, I'm never going to buy a Cuban cigar again. Mm -hmm. And I was like, then I've done my job here. Yeah. I don't care about all the other shit. It's that it makes sense when you say it. Right. When you just explain why, mm -hmm. you're like, oh. Wait, hang on. And and why have you been smoking Cubans? Because someone told you it was the coolest thing to do. Because right. it was like, oh, this is the like thing that, that's, you know, that you can't get. But it's like sexy and this and that and whatever it is. And then you tell them, well, that's one narrative. Here's another one. <laughs> here's, like, here's the narrative here's of the people one. that like, it, it got yeah. me here. Yeah. That's the reason why I am here. Because yeah. of shit like that. Yeah. And you can still smoke 
Cuban cigars that are not made in Cuba, meaning from the families that made them. Right. So buy those. Buy those. And it was a lot of that kind of conversation. It was that back and forth. And I appreciated the fact that he was willing to have that conversation. Yeah. And like open to like even the idea of not smoking those cigars Mm -hmm. or whatever, because Mm -hmm. I mean, he's pretty famous. Yeah. So, you know, like if he tells one person, five people, 10 people, that story that he had, then I've done my job. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's like the visceral difference between three years ago and today. Yeah. Yes. And I think there's, um, there's also the whole, the thing, the other thing that's happening right now is, um, oh, all these people are like getting hit by the ads of go to Cuba because Cuba's, Cuba's essentially like, um, you better send tourists over here because otherwise we're going to sink. And they're they're getting a lot of ads to go to Cuba. Are there ads? Yeah, sure. I have never ads. seen one. You haven't? Have all you? over Instagram. Yeah. yeah. I've never seen one. Yeah. Come to Cuba. It's not on my algorithm, apparently. They're all over the place. Peanut gallery? Peanut. I'm not shocked you haven't. You have? You're yeah. Brazilian, I get it. I wonder if... um. And not to not to cut this off, yeah. but I um, just for the sake of, of giving some context to the person who's listening. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, we've made some references to Ju- to July yeah. 11th, which was when this sort of like wave of protests began. But you've been like very deeply engaged in the thing, um, you know, whether from the standpoint of of your writing or uh, you know your connection to Guadalajara over the course of that time. So, I wonder if you could like give your perspective on it and part of why I want to get into that is what you said earlier about people uh, being skittish mm-hmm. about talking about things yeah um, I think even for you mm-hmm. it for for so many of us right but especially for you even in that context you dove even deeper like mm-hmm. you in a way that you probably didn't anticipate yeah. you couldn't have anticipated yeah and I wonder where you found, like, the challenges were for you, right? Because yeah. in any subject, like, the deeper you dive, the more you realize, like, what you don't know. Oh, my God. And what's difficult and what, what you haven't really grappled with um, or understood or whatever. So I just talk about, like, about that period of time from July 11th to now. Okay. What, what that period looked like for you uh, from the standpoint of just literally what you were doing, what you were up to, yeah. and what the challenges were for you personally along that path. Yeah. Let's just say that my husband, I'm going to start with this, my husband was like, oh my God, can we please, please take a break <laughs> from Cuba for one moment? Um, because it was it was a uh, 27-hour a day <laughs> situation. Um, so essentially July 11th protests happen people hit the streets in Cuba and um, that explodes inside the heart of every Cuban American because oh my god they're doing it and people are seeing it not just they're doing it because we've known that that happens and then nobody sees it like right now actually like right the second people are protesting and not many people are seeing it but that in that moment people saw it it went out it was a surprise and it was all over social media so immediately Um, I mean, I was doing a ton of research before that on the people who with essentially were the ones who who were the impetus, the catalyst for that July 11th movement. Um, The Movimiento San Isidro, like the the year before I had started to do research and putting out articles and things like that and pitching articles like, guys, something's going to happen in Cuba. Something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. 
nobody wanted to publish anything because what are you talking about that all changed after july 11th and then all of these people i felt like i need to talk to all of them i need to talk to all of these people that are on the island doing these things and i did to a certain you know i started to reach out and try to figure it out and then sadly what ended up happening was that the cuban government exiled almost all of them the ones the ones who were who are still in prison are still in prison and then the rest of them got exiled and and they got you know shot out all over the world from serbia to mexico to right here um to spain uh, and i went everywhere and interviewed them and got their stories from tell me the story of your life from the moment you were born to now and started to cobble together how this thing happened and it was it was like one of those things that you think oh my god this is so much uglier and dirtier and fucked up this is so fucked up um so you get to this point where you're like there's all the hope and then you keep getting the story and you kind of get into a hole of like is there any hope <laughs> because here are the people that are doing everything like with their skin you know like you're gonna take me and i'm gonna be in prison or you're gonna throw me out and i'm not gonna be let back in right and what then what then when every time they protest they are now you know, all all over the place. I mean, we're talking about Dede Solis, who talked to me from Serbia, who's the guy who essentially started this thing because the rapper who had been imprisoned and then the activist started to fight for his freedom. That leads, one thing leads to the other. And essentially, this is a great, great fast forward, but essentially, eventually, everybody's on the street. Um, he's telling me, I'm here in a place where I've been exiled, which is the only place that I could go where there are still communists all around me, and I'm scared for my life even here. So it's, it's, I don't, you know, you kind of get into like this hole where you think, is there a way out of this thing? And then you realize that there has to be, because now, I mean, there's people protesting on the street despite the fact that all of this is happening despite right. the fact that they know this despite the fact that they even know that we're not receiving the information because we're not receiving it like we were right after july 11th we're not we're not because internet's cut off they have no electricity okay the storm hits and then the the recent hurricane just hit and then under that guise there's okay shut off all the power also and the electric and the and the internet and people can't you know it's not coming it's not getting to us in the same way the, yeah the, the hurricane hits one end of the <clears throat> island and somehow there's a blackout exactly. from end to end of correct 13 million people <clears throat> without power. Correct. i mean it's, it's a control move right of like course that, that's that's their entire yeah. thing is like controlling the yeah. narrative and controlling yeah. the entire thing uh, to be able to tell people yeah what they want to hear yeah. right because like last year i mean it's a year ago now right yeah more yeah, a little yeah, you're, you're in a mm -hmm. year and change like there was there was readily available information mm -hmm. to an extent i mean now there's no information we yeah. get small snippets of information and the small snippets of information are exactly what you're saying it's like people don't care yeah what's happening they're still willing to protest mm -hmm. but the world is not going to see that because the narrative is being controlled yeah I'm going to say today, 
<coughs> sorry, for the past couple of days, the other thing that's happening is this, like what gets blocked off and what doesn't get blocked off. I have been literally trying to make a donation <laughs> to, to Cuba de Cide to give to activists on the island for the past three days and no none of the avenues allow me to. You cannot send this donation. <clears throat> you cannot send this donation. So like PayPal, um, Venmo, everything. I can't, I'm like, I'm gonna have to give you cash. Essentially, because I said, the, the kids book that I have out right now, I said any sale that I make this, this weekend, because it's like gonna be, we're gonna be at Cuban bakeries and it's gonna, I'm gonna just gonna give half of everything that, that I make and whatever, it's not a lot of money. Come on, you know, it's a, it's a weekend of sales and I can't get it to them and there's a block, you know? So it's like you have to try really hard, like really hard to get certain people money and to get certain people. So it's very, it's, it's, it's terribly frustrating. What's, what's the, <clears throat> the biggest blockade of like, why, why hasn't the world caught on to like, I mean, I, I know why. But like, why hasn't the world caught on to how important this issue is and how serious this issue is for the entire world, right? Like, why can't it, it I, Nick and I have spoken about this plenty, mm -hmm. right? Which is they kind of like uh, submerge themselves, like their ideology across the world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they work within young people. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. They work within young people. I remember once I was I was just like surfing the Instagrams. Uh-huh. Right. And I saw some shit that was just like fucking like, what the fuck is this? What was it, Nick? It was like a Portland <laughs> read, read Portland mind, world of <laughs> communism. Well, it, it might have been um Portland University <coughs> thing. Yeah, some university student with like a bullhorn talking right. about whatever che and yeah. the whole thing and no, i'm I, like i, I think I'm it like, might Nick, what the fuck is i think this, it, i right? think it might have been uh after the the dobbs decision and so then there was this wave right. of like socialist university groups yeah seizing on it to talk about how much more progressive cuba is than right. the oh us yeah <laughs> right to talk about how much more progressive cuba was yeah. and i remember like watching this shit and i'm like and I'm like, this has got to yeah. be satire, no. right? Like, this is like a which, this is a show, which happened all over again with the gay marriage stuff yeah. recently in Cuba, right? Yeah. There was some, right, right, right. And, right. I, and I send it to Nick, and I'm like, dude, this is a joke, right? And yeah. he was like, no. So yeah. obviously, I'm not as immersed as yeah. Nick has been for yeah. a very long time. And I'm like, tell me why? Like, how does this fucking exist? And he and he goes into telling me this, and then. He starts to show me a bunch of other shit, and I'm like, wow, this is like, yeah. apart from like the cultural thing that we have lived, this is so much like... It, it's a dark web. It's, but it's been, <laughs> it's been so incredibly well thought out. Yeah, they don't notice. They still don't know. They're going to be freaking blown away when they get that, those blinders taken off. You know what I mean? Like this when is, they're like, oh, they've been in our universities this entire time. This entire time. Yeah. This entire time, like they're just yeah. teaching these young kids this terrible yeah. ideology from a young age yeah. to make them believe it. And when I showed 
I, we had, I don't know, it was a few hours conversation, and I'm like, I'm fucking mind blown. I think it was like you coming to me with this video, like, as if this, and I was like, no, dude, this is every university campus. Right, yeah. and, I, and I felt like a fucking infant, right? The, the other day, with you'd think, okay, so, with this kid's book, I go to a university, because, you know, you do kids, but you do adults who, who are studying the thing or reading it to their kids. And they are like, well, but, you know, also we have to take into consideration American imperialism. And I was <laughs> like, and how do you take that into account when, you know, when the when the mainstream narrative does does the opposite? And I'm like, the mainstream narrative is exactly what you're saying. Right. This, this We have to just say that this is the reverse. The mainstream narrative is what you're saying. Right. What I'm saying is not the mainstream narrative. You know what I mean? So that is very, very interesting that even, like, no matter what level you're talking about, it's there. It's there. The scary thing, and that you have to, like, I feel like we have to all be careful when we're talking is just, like, just, you know, here are all the facts. Here are all the facts, people. Like, here are all the facts. Because <laughs> yeah, but in people, today's day, people don't like facts. Yes, but I, but when we get all, like... You know, all extremely, I don't know if you've been watching the, the campaign ads, but they're driving me crazy. <laughs> the, like, I don't know. I don't watch TV. So oh it, I'm, I'm terrible. I, <laughs> like, like, I don't know what's happening us in well. today's world. Yeah. It, it, they're not doing us that, that well. I'm not going to say anything about like any particular ads, but, but I feel like let's just, you know, stick to the facts because they're enough. Like they're enough. There's like right. they are. Uh, I'd be curious to get your, your perspective. So, you know, we're talking about like, what the, I don't know, for lack of a better way of framing it, the non-Cuban world has to say about Cuba. Right. O over the course of this year and change, mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on, there's a, a like, chronic lack of knowledge among yeah. Cuban Americans, right? Yes, like, yeah. Among Cuban Americans who, and this is not to, like, you know, to poo-poo anybody in particular, but, like, there is that problem of, with a lot of other you know cultures yeah. that f where like the the prevailing with you know idea is that they're being misrepresented mm -hmm. i think a lot of other uh a lot of other groups or whatever do a better job of inculcating certain values and passing on certain information that gets you know at least on some individual level but he, i i just get the sense that there's like such a vast swath of cuban americandom yeah where the connection begins and ends with like Epumita and exactly. you know where your favorite oh. croqueta yeah. is the and, croqueta the, and then when you confront oh. that kid with the bullhorn you're like what do I do and I, I think that that this kind of is a callback to what you were saying earlier like that's what comes to my mind when you were talking about people being skittish about like yeah. saying things publicly <laughs> I don't know whether it's your experience but some of those what, what struck me over the course of this year and change is that some of the people who seem so hesitant to express themselves and risk being wrong on this issue are ones who do not hesitate regardless of whether I think of the, to talk about guns or abortion or marriage or, or tax policy or Ukraine or whatever mm -hmm. and then Cuba is where the Cuban Americans are stopping because ah, I, don't, I don't know 
I don't yeah. know if it's a, it's not cool or yeah. they're uncomfortable or they don't feel like they know. But what's your experience? Because I, I think you're somebody who more people come to. You, you say that's more uh, generalized towards Cuban-Americans? In this case, I'm talking about Cuban-Americans, right? Right, like, right? Like a lot of Cuban, which there's nothing wrong with expressing yourself on these other things and being right or being wrong. But yeah. I, I wonder what your impression is of like why people won't risk being wrong. That's part of the deal when you engage publicly. Like, I'm yeah, you might, you might be wrong yeah. about shit. Yeah, I mean, that, agree. So I think that a couple of things happen. One, going back to like the fact that with Cuba specifically, when you say things out loud in your college classrooms and with your friends at a certain age, when you leave Miami, let's say you leave Miami, you leave Miami, you go somewhere, and you start saying these things, immediately they're like, what? And you, you kind of get this like thing that you are really now up against something that's totally different and you're going to have to vocalize if you're going <laughs> to get through anything here, right? right? And if you vocalize, you're going to be against a huge group of people and an entire way of thinking, right? So it's kind of hard. So I think a lot of people shut down and they're like, well, this is going to just but the, But the be world quiet in general here. is against vocalizing. Yeah. And I think what happens is they have bits and pieces they meaning us, like Cuban Americans sometimes have bits and pieces of information because your parents and your grandparents went through a tremendous story where they've been giving you bits and pieces of information because that's actually how memory, actually I just read this because of my grandmother, but like traumatic memories work that way. They're fragmented. They're not narrative. It's our job as our generation to put the narrative together, to do the research that unites all the things in between, that's a lot of work. You know what I mean? And I feel like at a certain point, I was like, you know, we keep doing this thing where we start, those of us that know the story, start talking at like letter F when we really need to talk from letter A because mm -hmm. nobody knows it from A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H. Like that narrative that needs to get constructed because we have all these pieces, it's hard to do. There's so many things with the, with the Cuban-American being afraid of saying that story. You were going to say something. I just, I like, I think that also, like, you know, our grandparents, our parents or whatever, like, the fragmenting of thoughts and memories mm -hmm. is one thing but it's also like they came here to just create a better life for us mm -hmm. so they don't want to like subject us to this whole thing right. of which is what they went through which is losing their entire culture mm -hmm. in essence like they just want us to live our life they came here to give us an opportunity and we've you know i think a good amount of us have taken that opportunity and ran with it yeah you know so fragmenting of like old trauma is one thing and i think that when you actually sit down with an older cuban and you start talking about it some people are very like no i'm good i don't want to talk about it and then other people are like yeah i want to talk all about it it's it depends on the person but also to just speak on what like nick said which is super intense for me which is like the cuban american culture today is all espumita and pastelitos mm -hmm. right which is great i love those things because i live <laughs> on those things but it is it is uh, it chugs diner right yeah. it is in essence so much more than that like we are keeping a culture alive yeah 
Like we are completely keeping a culture alive by attaching it to a culture that exists, which is pancakes and other shit, mm -hmm. right? That entire concept, albeit like a business and things that I want people to go to and have a good time. And I think that we do great food and so on and so forth, blah, 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 all that other shit. We are keeping a culture alive by attaching it to a thing that we, in essence, we were brought into that we had no idea what it was. I, I, and, yeah. oh, I'm sorry, and, and I'm only going to jump in because yeah. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this together. I think it's sort of connected. I had a, an exchange not too long ago with one of our, I won't name them, but one of our favorite, genuinely favorite uh, food bloggers in Miami. Um, and we were talking about, I basically sort of thanked her only half jokingly for using actual Cuban music in the background of like a Cuban food post. Uh -huh. And then we sort of like went on for an obnoxious amount of time about like how frustrating it is that like there's nothing. It's not like, oh, don't play other. But it's like it's just weird that so many Cuban-Americans our age and, you know, in the social media range, like it wouldn't occur to some Dominican to post a picture of their mangu with like a pitbull song in the background. So why is... Why is there all this like bachata on your Dole Nueve Domino videos? <laughs> and why is like, you know, a Gran Combo playing with your croqueta pictures? It's just weird to me. And, and it's a stupid little thing to fixate on. But I draw a line between that <laughs> and like the distance. Like if it begins there, then like I don't really care about that except for the fact that it's symptomatic of something that manifests itself as then a distance from the detail and the problem on that bigger problem that we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. I, I just like, it's, it continues to be the story of what we've talked about on this fucking show forever, which is the cheapening of our culture, mm -hmm. right? The cheapening of our culture to sell whatever the fuck it is that you're selling, to make money and to profit on a culture that has been incredibly oppressed, that we are here only by chance mm -hmm. because we were forced out of our country for a reason. We, like, it's the exactly what you said, like the Espumita culture, which is great. But it's also like there's a fucking story attached to that. Like, there's a reason why we're doing it here and not there. Yeah, and wow. it's like, the more I go into that, it's like, uh, in the food world, shit is cheapened so much. Yeah. Easily. In, in every world. I know. I just I don't think that like writing is as Instagrammable as food is. Uh -huh. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. And that's why like it's it is it's so deep to me. Like when people are like, "What is Instagrammable?" I'm like, "Fuck you! I don't know what the fuck that means. It doesn't mean anything. What is the purpose behind it?" Right, but the good thing is that because it's Instagrammable, they could be going like this and opening it up. Ugh. You know, my, you know what I mean? Like you. Could, I get it. You I understand could, it. You could do. You could do that instead because the thing is that. I was born in the same house as my, you know, like my cousins and my sister and everyone was with the same grandfather and the same parents and the same everything. And that story was there. I was the one who was like, hey, could you tell me the whole thing from the beginning to the end? Because I need to know this. Like there's work to do in that. You know, like I do, I do get a little bit frustrated when I see Cuban Americans who didn't post at all about July 11th post about, and I brought this up earlier, about Ukraine, not because Ukraine is not post-worthy, but because why don't you find the connection? 
and right. talk about like figure out where it is that you can tell your own story and how important this is because right now Russia is giving Cuba a shit ton of oil. Why? So that they can I, they can keep going and keep fighting Ukraine and and so that someone lights up Cuba right now. You know what I mean? And like quote unquote saves them. That's all going through Venezuela. There's just a thick thick web of stuff that's happening that we don't seem to be aware of that needs to well, why why but okay so why do they post about re- ukraine and not because it's cool exactly because exactly it's cool because and it's, it's fucking cool because it's what everyone is posting about and and the reason why i can't post often is because i don't post about shit i don't know about and i know a little Fair. bit i don't know a lot about everything that's happening and i will post what i know and and believe in so the thing is that like that surface posting that happens time out the peanut gallery they're trying to find the bathroom that one's locked you can go into the kitchen you make a left you make a right you make your first left and that'll be the kitchen (laughs) that'll be the kitchen bathroom you're good i got you he got a new haircut i'm not sure what's happening there he's already lost (laughs) i think that's all of that though is what you're saying is i'm sure it'll frustrate mike but is a case for embracing Instagrammableness. Yes. You know. Exactly. And it's, and it's part of why I make it a point to like, you know, when I can, yeah. you know, even when it's not necessarily directly relevant, like I'm going to Aldo or a B or even yeah. like, uh, I don't know if you, you might have, uh, uh, Esa Cosa uh-huh. uh, with the, the have, you, have you heard them? No, have <laughs> I? Maybe. There's, they're like, I, I became aware of them because uh, a B posted a video mm-hmm. of them opening for him at a show. And at least at the time, like they had only, as far that I could find, recorded one thing yeah. called Que Clase Pinta, <laughs> which is so good. But like yeah. even that kind of thing, it's like, yeah. I, I think it, as much as it might frustrate, it's it's a uh, the the uh, paradox, I guess, of it or the you know the the conflict there is that the people who care most deeply about the issue are the ones who have to like embrace that yeah. superficial thing like people people like the three of us who give so much of a shit also have to come to terms with the fact that like to bring other people in you gotta lay a path out for them yeah you know um john lethem he's a he's a novelist and he's he has this line that i love and it's so true and it's all about this which is you can't be deep without a surface which sometimes you need that thing that glossy thing to be like, okay, and now here's all this. Here are all these roots that, you know. I mean, I think that we all have a glossy thing. It's just like that, <clears throat> you know, the more I go through this, like, whole journey, mm-hmm. who are we in this battle, right? Like, cause this, is a, this is a long war. I mean, we've been in this shit for a long time. Yeah, We're it's like, going to end soon. I mean, meaning it's soon. I mean, I fucking hope so. Like, w- well, like we are in the end game of this thing. We are new here in comparison to what the last 60 years has been like. So, like, who are we in this battle? Like, what what purpose do we have mm-hmm. in this whole story? Like, if I can have, like, an inkling, like, just like a quarter of a paragraph in a page to what this entire thing has really meant, then my life has mattered. Yeah. Who are we? So, like, glossy surface, like you and I and him, we have the glossy surface. Mm-hmm. We have that thing. We we are that. There's a lot. There's a lot of depth here. Yeah. So that's why in this journey of like, okay, like the Espumita culture, I'll keep going back to that because it just 
it does ring so supreme for me because I see it every single fucking day. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we have so much more depth. Just take a minute, dive in. There's lots of stuff to learn here. Learn from it, make your own decision, and then move forward from it. It's like, I don't know. It just, it, it just like, it's very intense inside of me, like this whole battle. So when we want to star, when we want to star, like it was like, um, will people listen now? I mean, that some were listening before. Will more people listen now? So does, are we helping the end game? Are we part of the end game? Do we move the end game along faster? You know, like we just do food. But we do food on now. We do food on an international scale. It's not. It's no longer a local scale. It's not even a national scale. It's an international scale. My cousin from Spain called me and said, "I saw you on the front page of the Spanish newspaper." Yeah. And I was like, "Cool." Yeah. So does that story like do people dive into that story more? Yeah. And it's like that shit matters. Of course. That yeah. shit matters. Yeah. Everything we do matters. That's why I'm saying we can't fuck up. <laughs> I mean, I, I, but you know, like, you know, I think that's. No, but I'm, what I mean is this. What I mean is we now, our parents have, I hate this kind of, this term of like, there's this sacrificial generation, but they kind of, they, they sacrificed they were, everything. They were, absolutely. And here we are. Yeah. And here we are with a voice in a country where we can have one. In the different fields and realms in which we we feel like in food and in story and in all of that. And, and in this, talking. And in talking. And the story lives inside of that just by being. By right. being in the conversation. You know but what it, I mean? But like, it's, it's even the ability to have a conversation but this that is, no one is limiting what you can say. Yeah. yeah. Simply that. You know, this sounds stupid, but... Um, this I'm talking about Andy Garcia, but he had an interview where he was like, you know, sometimes the only thing I want is to stay on the menu. Meaning when you're when you're ordering something and you're like, who's the person? I want to stay on the menu so that I can have a voice. You know what I mean? And that matters. Do you guys want another one? No, no, no. Yeah. Got a box of I'll take one more and then. Uh, John Falco requested. It's a perfect time to take an intermission. We need to take an intermission for a bathroom break. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, great. All right, so where were we? We're, uh, I think we were talking about like the... Um, Cuba and... Something about um, Cuba, Cuba. Yeah, <laughs> weird. I'm shocked. Yeah. That's, I think that's we were talking about the, all the, the, the surface stuff that feels kind of frustrating, but... Whether Necessary. and how it's important to bring people deeper yeah. to start with some of that surface stuff. I don't. I guess a lot of people, like a lot of people, did come to me and was like, "We're like, I need, I feel, I feel the need to do." There were all these feelings that people had that they weren't sure what to do with, and they were like, "I need to do something. I need to do something." So my, I mean, my thing is go, go, fill in the gaps, do the work, do some reading, get the research so you can say something to that feeling you know what i mean because if you say it with that feeling that is already there to a certain degree they just need to be validated 
because nobody has. In fact, people have fought them their whole life about their story. So it's almost like they need some validation of like, I think it's this. Like, I think it's actually this, but everybody says this other thing. So, you know, even with something as simple as Eliane, you know, like that whole story was told a certain way. And at the same time, I feel like our generation was feeling something that was happening here in Miami that the rest of the world was on a totally different page. I mean, they were in a different book, you know? So I think it's hard for a lot of people to receive validation for their feelings. And the thing is that they just have to go get the info. Well, I mean, it, it goes back to what we said three years ago, right? You don't know where to put your feelings because we are essentially children of a bunch of lost generation. Uh The sacrifice generation, like the people that put a bunch of, I mean, they just wanted us to be able to survive. So they may have not given us all the information to be able to survive. So we're kind of in this place that like we don't know where to put these feelings. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, it's like, Okay, I kind of understand why you don't know what to do with these feelings. Yeah. Because in yeah. my mind, like, I've, I've forced all of my feelings into food. But a lot of people don't have that outlet. Yeah. You know, they have just jobs that, you know, it, they're, they aren't creative and they're not uh, personal and they're not whatever it is. Like, you're just doing a job to execute a certain thing to yeah. do to the end result is a paycheck. Yeah. For me, it was a very personal thing. Like I couldn't, I could never do what other people wanted me to do. I just wanted to do this thing that I had this feeling for. So I was able to do that. So I was able to express myself. But at the end of the day, I that that quote, "The children of the lost," has stuck with me for so long, only because of that. Because there's so many people that don't know what to do with their feelings. They don't know what to do with their yeah. thoughts. They don't know how to like compartmentalize this whole thing that. At the end of the day, thank you so much. Hopefully, this is it for the night. Um, all right, we dropped half of it on myself. Um, at the end of the day, like no one explained to them what these feelings really were. As you're talking, I, I, and going back to what you were saying, Nick, about the surface, just because it relates to all of this, is also the fact that. Like my sister who has some information and has these pieces that you're talking about. When she goes down a research rabbit hole, she's like, wait, but this isn't true, is it? Or what about this? Because there's so much misinformation out there. Because actually the Cuban government really does know how to use that surface, you know? Super well. And be super Instagrammable. So... It's very, very... I mean, it's easy to be super Instagrammable when Jay-Z's, like, on vacation in your hood and and everyone has no food. Everything. Right. Right. So it's very hard to find actual information. Right. You know? Like, to actually find good information. And then how do you do that? Because, essentially, if I think about how you undo that, it's, like... I mean, I, I've spent, I spent, like I said, like 27 of the, I mean, 24 hours. You know what I mean? A lot of time going down these, okay, so this person said this, which means that this leads to this and this and this. I mean, it's such a, it's a web. It's a web that happens and I can see how people get lost in it. And it's scary. But like that also has to be pointed out. Like there is, there are all these lies essentially. Well, I guess the, 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 the best... 
thing to say now is like, where do we go from here? Right? Like being who the three of us are. Right? And when I say the three of us, I mean Nick, myself, yourself. You guys are peanut gallery. Um, when you say, like, where do we go from here, right? And it's, I've thought pretty hard about this the last, uh, I mean, hard the last, like, four or five months. But the last, like, year, we've talked about it so hard. We've, we've done so much, I think, within our grasp of what to do. How do we continue to do what we do? And not get frustrated mm-hmm. because it's easy in today's world to get because fr- like the world is so like it's instant gratification, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, you get a double click, you get a like, all of a sudden you're liked, mm-hmm. everyone likes me. So how do we, how do we move on from here so people feel more comfortable about vocalizing themselves to be who they are and like really yeah. vocalize their thoughts about these feelings that maybe they didn't want to vocalize before? I feel like we have to keep going because we've really just started. You know, we really have. We've just started doing this. We and our group of, of you know, our group knows what, what Padre Vida is, right? Tell that to someone in Michigan. They have no freaking clue what that is. Right. No idea. And to us, that is the most famous, you know, call it what you want, song, slogan, movement, impetus for a movement, whatever, that has happened in, in decades, right? Right. It, but it has not crossed over, you know? It just it, it has not. So I feel like our, for me personally, my goal is to keep going so that it really enters the mainstream, like the mainstream mainstream. That you're talking about, like, all this information that we have creates the knowledge that people need. Do you know what I mean? Like, they watch on TV. Right. It's on TV. It's in their streaming. It's in their, you know, Spotify. It's in there. It's everywhere. Everywhere. And all they have to do is turn on any of those channels <laughs> anywhere you go, and it's there. And that's our job. I feel like that's my job. I got asked a lot um, during last year if I was an activist. If I was an activist. Which my answer is that I'm a writer. And part of what I do will be telling a story. And if that sounds like activism to you because you've never heard the story, then that's fine. But it's very complicated when people are like, is that, is that, is that activism? Or is that, you know, that, that it, it has a sort of like bad word, right. <laughs> you know? And I just think it's very important to, for me, well, I mean, writing. I think anyone that tells a true story yeah. in today's world is activism. Mm-hmm. Nick, what do you think the next steps are for us as a culture? Oh, not not as a podcast? <laughs> no, not as a podcast. Um, I I don't know. I think that to, to me, I, I don't know what the solutions are, but I know that I think that the, the things that need to be solved are the the questions of like, certain people's not just Cuban Americans but but even like non-Cubans feeling like they can enter into it and engage and participate with the same level of confidence that they do on literally anything else right Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I think that that's just like a really important thing I think that 
I think that the barriers are probably different among Cubans than they are with non-Cubans. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's more confusing to me with Cubans than it is with non-Cubans. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if maybe, maybe if you're Cuban, a part of me thinks that maybe there are Cuban Americans who think like that there's an expectation like for them there's more of a bar to meet like oh if i fuck up and i say the wrong thing or i show that i don't know things it's more embarrassing because i'm supposed to know right maybe that's part of it the world is an embarrassing place sure yeah um but anyway i i I think that that's you know that's a thing and then i think that there's also um you know i think that we have to be willing to be we meaning I think the people who are more engaged right and people who are in like leadership or activist roles or whatever I think that we have to be more critical of each other and self-critical like critical of each other like in that sort of open like Mm -hmm. understanding that everyone benefits from that sort of thing Um, because I think that that ends up being a roadblock right like when, when the people who are at that depth aren't exchanging all that openly, and that's something that I think that you have to be kind of close to it to see. Yeah. <laughs> then there's very little hope that new people can be let in and, exp- and be expected to explore comfortably and all that. Like mm-hmm. as an example, um, and I'm not saying that this was the, the wrong or the right decision from this person. I won't name them, but w- there was a point <coughs> where we were talking about making like a short documentary thing, mm-hmm. and. Um, and it kind of hit a roadblock because the concept had been, oh yeah, I remember. or part of it, like a, a, a one section of it. The idea had been, the idea had been to take food, like activist politics and rap music, mm-hmm. and kind of take okay, this these are the things that are happening now, right? Like there isn't any food, and Cubans eat how they eat. Uh, the politics and the activism is this, and then rap with Patria Vida mm-hmm. as the thing. Not like necessarily putting it on some kind of a pedestal or whatever, because if I'm being perfectly frank, like it's not my favorite song. I understand the significance <laughs> of it, but like there's other. It's just you know, it's not my thing. Yeah. Um, like I'm more of a Alianos mm-hmm. guy, you know. So uh, I won't say who, but I did go to somebody who I see as being like foundational, like in the same way that we were going to say like, okay, this was what happened previously, like a Paya, right? Like without Paya, you don't have these movements now. Yeah. A figure like that in rap. And when I explained to him what the concept was and I tried to like elaborate, like, look, I'm not trying to tie you to it, but he was like, I will not be in sniffing distance of anything that mentions that song. And, and, I'm, and this isn't to say like, oh, he should have been in it, but it's, it's more to say, I, I, if you have that, I, I want for that criticism to be out in the open. Yeah. Right? I want for that to be said very publicly. But it's this weird thing where, like, all of the, it, it all, there's a lot of, like, behind the curtain shit. Yeah, yeah, there is. That people don't see. And even among the activist groups, there are all these, and I'm sure you know all of them, in the same way that I've been exposed to them, there are all these weird little beefs. Yeah, but so it's like, many beefs, but it's man. But it's weird little beefs that so don't... So many stupid beefs, but what's, but what's extra yeah. weird about them is that, like, the analogs in other aspects of politics happen very openly. Like, yeah. you know who doesn't like who in, like, Republican politics. Right. Yeah. And that's part of how all the people on the periphery hash out what they think. But here, like, I think Cuban-Americans are in the dark on all that shit. Oh, a thousand percent. And, they and, have no but idea. But they would benefit from knowing because... <laughs> 
because that's part of how you figure out like this debate happening in real time between okay. group X and group Y and why they don't like each other and why so and so decided to be a part of this and then so and so decided not to because person C was you know all that stuff like it sounds petty it sounds convoluted but on some level like when people see it yeah it it helps the broader thing to educate itself as like this sort of cultural organism and this cause doesn't have that this cause everything happens like inside of like this weird silo I feel like it there's this there's this thing where we understand that for freedom to ever happen we need to be united right but then in reality we're not so right. then what happens is instead of fighting through that moment of like we're gonna do the thing where we like do the sibling fight and we're still gonna love each other at the end of the day and we still want the same damn thing because we have the same freaking parents you know what i mean we're just gonna not even talk about we're just other. not gonna talk about it mm. and not and block each other so that's a major problem yeah. That's a major problem. And it, and it ends up, I think, being one of the things that contributes to the shallow Epumita culture. <clears throat> yeah. Because the Epumita person only has so many places they can latch onto and hook themselves to go yeah. deeper. That was, I'm, you know, I, I think that we've, I don't know whether we've talked about it on this podcast, but I've talked about it elsewhere. Like, that's one of the things that I think it's a real shame that was lost with the demise of Raíces de Esperanza, mm-hmm. which I used to be on the board of. Yeah. Um, and I left. Like, I had a problem with where it went, right? So I'm, I'm not uh, I, I'm not wild about, like, what it became. Mm-hmm. But what it was, like, to have lost that, I think, was, like, a real loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that was, like, a big tent. Everybody, everything very out in the open. Everybody, mm-hmm. like, going through all of those processes to really find consensus. Right, like, but right now, like, this is going to kind of go over the heads of a lot of people. But like, on what planet can you imagine there being like a a, a forum to find the consensus between Directorio and the Vigilia Mambisa no cases and Guadalajara and, well, and so on and so forth? Like, it, because uh, the most dangerous thing in the world is that. That's the most dangerous thing. Like, the most dangerous thing in the world is actually to have a forum where people have these discussions because there is. There is a conversation around like Baya specifically died right around the time where he was going to bring that to Cuba. And it, the, he had done all the things well, with gathering I mean, I the signatures. Miami, I know. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that it's so dangerous that like you can gather all these freaking signatures and you can do all this stuff and we're just going to block you. But wait, you're going to bring all these people to argue and have opinions and, you know, actually that's very powerful. It's very powerful. But I think but I think the participants here, what I'm saying is that the participants here are unwilling. I know. Yeah. I know. I wish they weren't. You said the what? The participants are unwilling. To have yeah. a real forum. <laughs> like a hash it out. Which is pretty sad, right? Like after Yeah. And, what, and what each of them would have their own version of the explanation of why or mm-hmm. whatever. You know, I, I, I don't know that I know how to explain it perfectly. I just know that when we were at Raíces de Esperanza, we were like in it. Seeing like, why doesn't everybody else get that this works? Because we, we would end up having to deal with each of these groups like in this weird like little silo. Like as an example, our advisory board, you know, uh, things that happened within the organization led to like the alienation of certain groups or whatever. But when it was in its heyday, it was like, yeah, Saladrigas, but also Orlando Gutierrez mm-hmm. and also Carlos Alberto Montaner. Mm-hmm. And also we were super tight with, with Paya. Mm-hmm. And, and that was like unheard of. For anybody to have all of these touch points and to be on good terms with everybody, like mm-hmm. that's what we brought to the table, and and there's nothing like that happening now. 
And there's also a scary thing that happens when, like, the higher you move up, in order to sort of make it politically, even in the in the states, the things that you have to, that people feel they have to shed away or move toward or against, is also part of that equation. I and just just to round out my like general answer, I also think that there's like a a really like intense need for a certain level of like a professionalization uh-huh. of of some of this activism like some of the stuff that i see uh like even in social media like the things that i see said uh whether by the groups themselves or people who are closely enough tied to the groups that like you couldn't blame somebody for thinking that they speak for the group you know like it, and and I you know privately will call people and tell them like hey you should maybe consider like reconsider this you know like as an example mm-hmm. the amount of times that I've seen you know uh, and I won't even bother saying who did what because I saw it so many places and if you posted it and you asked me does it apply to me like yeah sure it does <laughs> um, that I've seen the response of Cuban human rights activists to the protests in Iran. Mm. to be some version of well if you care about Iran you should care about us like that is the easiest way to make sure that whoever gives a shit about Iran writes you off as being an obnoxious pill Mm -hmm. that they do not want to swallow Mm -hmm. join them in giving a shit about Iran if you want right like that's the but don't like wag your finger at people and find all the connections I mean we have plenty (laughs) and 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 my point is like just tactically, it's not to like single out that thing. It's just like, oh, it's annoying. It's that there's a way to do it. Like there are proven communications things. And this is a, like there's too many Cubans with too much money and, and too many resources and too many businesses that employ communications professionals. Like the resources are there, but because so much of it happens in those little silos, like it never really – forms into something that yeah. can can draw from those resources. I mean, I think the frustrating thing just from listening to all this is like the overarching situation is freedom. Mm-hmm. Right. And Correct. there's a bunch of underlying situations that would yeah. rather fight for, they jostle for whatever the fuck they're jostling for yeah. other than I don't know if it's out of pride or out of fear. Well, well, I mean, the thing is freedom. Yeah. And they would rather jostle for whatever the fuck it is that they think is important other than the fact that the country hasn't been free for 60 years. Mm -hmm. Right? And and, and I wouldn't... I I, mean, does that oversimplify the situation? I I wouldn't question their their motives there. I I think maybe there's a certain amount of pride and fear. Like, I think it's like, I care care so much about the freedom that I'm not going to compromise or, like, run the risk of associating with so-and-so or uh, or diverting my attention from such-and-such such a thing because I know how right I am about how to get to the freedom. So I don't want to downplay people's how much they give a shit about the freedom issue, right? I, th- I think it's... I do think it's that they give a shit. I think it's that they... There's a lot of closed-mindedness and there's a lot of, like, one-track thinking and there's a lot of, like... Uh, and maybe a certain amount of fear. Like, what if... Like, what if I change track now and then things fall apart? Sure. I mean... And there's also the whole, I mean, never more than the last year did I see how much that whole, like, if you're with this person, you immediately, like, there's a whole group of people that then write you off. Or if you're with this person or this person or that person or whatever that is, like, 
wow, that has to stop. <laughs> and we and we, we we talked a bit about this with the the Cafe Havana, Cafe Havana or whatever the place is called, thing, uh-huh. that restaurant that was being protested yeah, yeah. or whatever. <clears throat> oh yeah, and you know we did. A they whole, still they still haven't come on the podcast. Yeah. I mean, I don't know for certain that anybody has like over there has seen our messages about it. You know, maybe I mean, didn't you email them? Yeah, email and social media, but I mean, they were like, who no knows? Problem. Who knows where those things? Send are. another message. I'll but, send it right now. Like I, 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 like I would. We we invited them onto the podcast to the extent that we were, you know, to the extent that we were able to. And but at the same time, you know, one of the things that I was saying at the time was, I understand why they wouldn't come to us because, mm-hmm. you know, like we haven't really presented. We like. You know, I don't like to talk in those like collective terms, but like the Miami Cuban dom has not really presented the environment as one where you're allowed to fuck up. So uh-huh. why would you bother risking fucking up again? Like the, the solution would be for people to take our approach and say like, come over here, talk to us like normal human beings. Of course, we'll tell you if you think, if you think you're wrong about something, Yeah, but it can't be. We that, love that. Like, it, yeah, I mean, it, it can't be that the immediate response is to start petitioning their landlords to cancel their lease. Mm-hmm. And they never espe- open, especially, yeah, uh, right. But uh, and that's that's one of the things that I always said I was afraid of because a lot of people made it about taking a restaurant away from the owners of that chain. Uh-huh. And in my mind, it's I don't care about the owners of that chain and whether they have a restaurant. Mm-hmm. I want to take that restaurant away from the Cuban Communist Party. Well, which you means know, like, but co-opting what, 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 it, right? Making and, which is but, exactly what they do all the time. But when what, the restaurant, yeah. if the restaurant never opens, then you're now at a stalemate again. Correct. Well, what people don't understand is that there was probably, and I could go all the way back to like our episode with Zach the Baker. There was probably a developer that like took a vacation to LA and was like, I went to this nice little cute like Cuban coffee shop and it was nice and whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there was like, you should come here and I'll give you a bunch of TI dollars and it's cool and blah, blah, whatever. TI is a rapper from Atlanta. (laughs) Not a super popular one anymore, but yeah. Um, And then, you know, he, then all of a sudden all this other thing, like all this other stuff like sprung from that. Uh And then those people were like, probably fuck that. And they just walked away. Yeah. In I've, essence, yeah. in essence, I would love to get those people at our table and say, "Listen, this is all fucked up. Like, explain to me how this all happened." Yeah. And I would love to understand why this all happened. Did you guys just not understand what you were doing, or which I'm sure is it? Which probably I would say is the case, mm-hmm. but I would like to have the conversation with them because I would like to change. From Hawaii to Miami, let's mm-hmm. change the narrative of like what you guys do, and let's just maybe help you guys understand why this is fucked up. Yeah, let's get them on this. Can they, I? they, uh, they, they have not opened in Miami, and if they are still out there, I'm still willing to have the conversation of why this is probably not a good idea, and I would love and to how change. How you could do it differently, and how it could be, you know, yeah. How, yeah, how it could still be successful in Miami. But I still think that at the core of that, there was a developer somewhere that went to vacation somewhere and was like, I had a coffee at a nice place that they had pastelitos and empanadas, and I would like to serve that here. There's an NPR company. Well, that remember just... that it was a Mexican restaurant. Mm-hmm. Was it Mexican? Yeah, yeah. The, the whole story, the whole, the whole, <laughs> the whole story of the place was that uh, that Che Guevara and Fidel, I think, had like eaten at a restaurant called 
Cafe Havana in Mexico. Uh-huh. Perfect. And that was like the inspiration or whatever for the thing. I, I think in the I mean, interest... Who knows what the hell yeah. that was all in the, I mean, this whole thing has been about, like, you know, how things can improve and how many people have to get involved. And I think that we've done a lot of, like, valuable, but, like, a lot of harping on all the reasons that this is exhausting and terrible. <laughs> uh, so maybe a good place, uh, Mike, if you agree, we can end this uh, segment uh, or this, this episode here, would be over the course of the last year and change that we've been talking about, What's the most fun you've had? Because I know there's been fun shit in the course of diving so deep into this. And it sounds weird, right? Like, you know, after these protests in Cuba and all the thing. But, like, along the way, and I know because I've had my own version of this in in a past life, like, there's there's fun stuff. There is, yeah. So what are, like, the things that jump to the top of your mind as, like, the most fun you've had in your Cuba life? In my Cuba life. In the last year and since July 11th. Yeah, a lot of things. I had a little like real playing in my. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, I went to Congress with Rosa Maria. I saw that. Yeah, that was that was a lot of things, and it was also fun. You know, it was fun to be there and be like, "Here's what's happening in Cuba." You know, mm. um, it was fun to jump around the country and and be able. To tell the story and just have a massive platform and like be next to rubbing shoulders with people that are trying to do the same thing. Mm. That was a lot of fun from, you know, Tampa to Las Vegas to Miami and, you know, I mean, all over the place. Right. It's been fun to have conversations with editors for the first time where they're like not responding with nobody cares about Cuba. <laughs> that's fun it's been fun to be like yeah I fucking know the story <laughs> you know that's also fun because you have a moment to actually release that thing that has been inside you for so long what about you <laughs> I mean yeah, you were cooking with Luda yeah I mean that was fun um I would say the most fun, like at the core level, has been younger humans Mm -hmm. saying, like, I really want to cook with another Cuban-American that has the same ideology that I do. Yeah. Because, I, I don't know, like, when I started this 15 years ago and I was talking about all this shit 15 years ago, like, that didn't really exist. Um. I would say that being on a, I mean, sitting at a table at the corner on a CNN show talking about like with the Cuban American culture and like how that's impacted the city and like how the story has really made a difference to the development of the city has, how important that really is, was very cool. Um, I don't know like happy is an interesting word <laughs> I think happy is like a very interesting word I think like seeing purpose realized whether that's happiness or just saying like okay mm-hmm. I've done my job now yeah. like what's next is a totally different way to like frame that question Um, is is another one because 
you know, like I always said, and Nick and I have talked about like writing a book for a few years. Mm -hmm. If I can impact somebody to say like in 20 years from now, 10 years from now, five years from now, like there was a a person that believed in Cuban food to make it different Mm -hmm. and that matters, then my whole journey has mattered. Mm -hmm. The fact that that's been kind of fast forwarded now to like, you know, we want to star like being on this international level, like Cuban American food matters. Um, You know, Chugs won a, a bib on a breakfast sandwich, a pastelito, and a pancake. I mean, if there's not more of a beautiful Cuban-American story, I don't know what what is. Like, that's the melding of the entire East Coast, really. And to see that actualized is has been a very fun experience, but it also is, like, very weighted because, like, what's next? How do we push this story further? You know, happy is one thing. Pressure is another. Mm-hmm. And it's a privilege to to feel pressure. Yeah. But it's like what you do with that yeah. next, it really, it defines the story. Yeah. So, you know, happiness is like, you know, winning a star, that was a happy moment. Uh, finding Cuban-American food like on that stage was a happy moment. But then the next day, like waking up and saying, okay, what's next? Yeah. All right. I, I think that pressure is a privilege is is true and really important. And it's something that I actually think about all the time, which is... It's tattooed on my body. Mm. I think about it all the time. <laughs> which is true. It's, yeah. it's literally like when I'm like, oh, I have literally six deadlines this week. How the fuck am I going to meet these? And I'm like, you wanted to be here and you get to tell all these stories. You better go. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think like... Uh, the word happy is an interesting way to put that, but I think like the privilege of being where we are, it's it's much more important than just saying like we're happy to be where we are. Can I say one more thing? Another fun thing that has happened is that my son recognizes the Cuban flag. He's four. And everywhere we go, he's like, Cuban flag, <laughs> Cuban flag, Cuban flag. And that, I feel like, is the beginning of a lot of good things. I mean, it is. Yeah. It's kind of like a yeah. a yeah. kid's book that has yeah. a lot more meaning than just... A lot of potential there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Nick, what was your last happy moment? Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll be here a while <laughs> trying to recall those. Um, no, I mean, I, I, I'll... Uh, I think the just because it came up earlier, you know, the in the immediate sort of you know aftermath of uh, of those protests, um, almost sort of by accident, doing creating a situation where Rosa Maria was talking to a room full of people. Falco was there. Um, who maybe otherwise not not would have been like oblivious to the message or anything, but would not have had a chance to engage with her, yeah. right? And uh, for, it was probably about half an hour or so. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, I don't think that either of us would have expected when we were first planning that dinner that it would at some point involve, like, Norman hugging her and wanting to have his picture taken with her. Or That's planning cool. this podcast. Mm. 
What's that? Or planning this podcast in general. Oh, no, right. But I mean, I mean like that particular event, right? Like, because we started planning the event before the protest started. Right, that's fair. Um, so, like, that, that's what I mean by it having been sort of by accident, right? Like, we had this thing that we mm-hmm. imagined was going to not have anything to do with Cuba. And then all of a sudden it became, like, there was that, like, 30 to 45 minutes of, like, this weird... serendipitous like oh shit look at that like look at what this little moment that we managed to create um you know was was a cool thing um and then also you know finding um not that we like invented the idea of the recaga but we sort of latched on to that idea and i think that you know we gave our audience some direction like that was the feedback that we heard the most of right like we didn't really set out for this to become Mm -hmm. uh a platform for people to learn about the issue. That's not what we were doing. We, you know, did a couple of episodes about it, but I think where we saw an opportunity for us to contribute was, you know, we have this audience and we know that, you know, uh, that this particular way to contribute is the thing that like next to nobody disagrees about, right? Like everybody can agree that it's better uh, like the humanitarian aid thing can get controversial, that, but everybody agrees. Like it's better their cell phones be working than not working. Correct. You know, and so that was why we sort of like zeroed in on that, and just like that was our only position was like charge them up, charge them up. That was it. And the feedback that we got the most about it was like gratitude from people who felt like I had no idea what I could actually do, uh-huh. and and that was a thing that like you know speaking just for myself like especially that experience made me think you know there's value to all of the amplification language Mm -hmm. but to treat that as like the imperative i think is probably a mistake because we've spent generations talking about like this is our issue too Mm -hmm. right and cubans on the island have been saying like you're as cuban as we are yeah and for us to all of a sudden shift now to like oh the, the highest form of participation is to amplify, like, no, participate. Correct. Take part, right? And like, t- yes. Like, yeah, yeah, amplify, whatever, like, share it's the bo- things. All the things. But, mm-hmm. like, but take part. Like, this is as, and it's, and it's not a matter of being Cuban or not Cuban, right? It's a, it's a human issue. And take part in the same way that you have an opinion about Ukraine mm-hmm. and that you think you're doing something by contributing and by, I don't know whether you are, you know, contributing to world central kitchen or smuggling guns yeah whatever it is like participate and there's no reason that the fact that it's cuba should mean that that it begins and ends with retweets mm-hmm. right like take part and i think that w- that that was a way for people to feel even in a small little like millisecond like oh i've taken part like i've done a thing yeah you know yeah. um so I don't know if that's really a fun thing, but, you know, I'm not a I mean, it was fun. I mean, our, like, my thing wasn't that fun, but it was, it, you know, yeah. equal. I think we... You know we me. Not, I think not, we... You know, you're not a fun guy. Yeah, I'm not a fun <laughs> You're not a, I mean, I find you fun, but yeah. I don't know. Well... That's consensus <laughs> anywhere. But... But that's fine. We're going to wrap things up. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Pancom Podcast with Vanessa Garcia. that to the microphone. The whole oh, thing is calibrated for people I, to hear you. Yeah, now it's just like it only happens when I've had a good amount to drink. I do the whole thing. It's fine. It's okay. All right. Uh, in case people didn't hear the last one, Vanessa, well, well, let's do the parting recommendation thing. I don't know whether mm. were we doing this when we had you on the podcast. I don't think so. Everybody oh, recommends man, we've a thing. Developed so much. There's yeah, lights. There's so many parting things. recommendations. So everybody recommends. It can be literally anything as long as it's not yours. 
Right. It could be a dish you ate, a place you went, a, f- a movie you watched. Like, recommend anything at all to the people who are listening. Man. Stress. Oh, my God. Pressure. It's, so, um, hey, it's a privilege. It's a privilege. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. I'll recommend the last movie that I saw. That I, I, this is what I recommend. I don't know. Have you guys seen the Elvis movie? No. Okay. On the big screen, though. Like, go to the movie theater and see it. Because it's, what, three hours? It's long. Um, but you don't feel it when you're in the movie theater, and it's really good. Oh, it's man. It's really good. I've heard controversial I, reactions I about this it. movie. Wait, what, I liked what, what it. What movie is this? Elvis. Elvis. Oh, Elvis. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. You guys didn't like it? I mean, no, I didn't see it. I, I haven't watched I thought, it. <laughs> I can't tell you if I liked it or not. Well, I, 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 I liked it. Yeah. That's okay. my recommend. Right. Totally not Cuba-related. Perfect. Michael Beltran. Ah, oh, man, I got nothing. <gasps> I got I got nothing. It's just, uh, no, it's not a lie. Fuck off, peanut gallery. I have, I'm going to do a de-recommendation. I'm going to recommend people stay away from a thing. Oh, my God. You can do that. I, yeah. You can. You, you, and you can take another turn if you have one. You can do that. Uh, can I go back? Uh, I started listening to the Club Random podcast, which is a podcast hosted by Bill Maher. Uh, and the idea is supposed to be like, oh, this is where all the conversations that wouldn't happen on real time go. Like, we're just kind of getting high and getting drunk in my little at-home nightclub situation. And it's got, like, all kinds of great guests. I think he's been doing it for, like, four months. And it is awful. Like, I have never found Bill Maher, not that I'm, like, the biggest Bill Maher fan in the world, but I went into it like he'd been promoting it as like this is where all the conversations that I can't have, you know, that right. just don't have a home elsewhere. And I'm thinking like, oh, he's going to be talking like the best stretch of it. And I'm not much of a fo- football fan was like the last 15 minutes of talking to Aaron Rodgers where they're talking about football and his favorite commentators. But most of it is just him still talking about like, oh, can you can you believe that some people still think that God is real. Okay. And it's like, shut the fuck up. Like, why? I just saw all this. Like, this is what you do every week. So don't watch Club Random. Club Random makes me feel sad for him. Like, et tibo no tiene tema. I, I was Got like, it. Bill Maher must be great at parties. I want to see what that's like. And no, Bill Maher is <laughs> awful at parties, apparently. He has nothing to say other than what he's been saying on TV for like 30 years. Got it. Poor guy. Poor guy. And it's it's because he's you know he's, I find him engaging, I but it was like I wanted know. to know about like you know what kind of music he listens to and shit. And there's very little of that. I do not want to be derecommended by Nick ever. I know, right? It's pretty rough. It's so scary. I have uh, no parting recommendations. <laughs> I feel like we just did the show yesterday with Mike Ortiz, and he wore me out pretty bad. So like, I have. Um, okay, I'm all right. Well, I got a recommendation. Oh. Yeah, right, it's fine. So uh, I went to a Push T concert on Sunday. That was great. And then I ended my night, as I usually do, at the corner, uh, which was great also. Those are my parting recommendations. Good stuff. Um, shameless plugs. Vanessa, I know we did it before, but... Do it again. For the people who Part haven't. Two. Well, buy my book... What the Bread Says, which is a picture book, but it doesn't mean that if you're an adult, you cannot read it. Buy several. Yeah, buy It's a lot. Christmas time. Buy them for people. I That's bought, the best I bought, thing to do. I bought two. We're going to give one away, <coughs> and then I'm going to ask you to sign another one. I'm going to send it to my sister and her kid. Yes. Boom. I will sign all your books. 
if you buy them. <laughs> um, yeah, and buy them anywhere. Books and books, anywhere you buy your books. Leave reviews on Amazon and Goodreads. Ooh, people like to see those. Michael and Belcher. what else? Yeah. Uh, Parting recommendations are... Shameless plugs. Shameless plugs. Yeah. Right, that's right. Um, <clears throat> you know... The Gibson is great. There's live music there six days a week. Sucks. <laughs> Wait. What's that guy's Instagram? What's his Instagram again? Uh, positive vibes only. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so uh, somebody posted a reel. Reels are the things, uh, several the, things the happening. Post, yeah, within post. 60 seconds or whatever. And then somebody just posted... Uh, the Gibson sucks. No, they didn't even say that. The reel was about the Gibson, and the comment was just sucks. Right? No. And then Nick goes into the the dude's Instagram, and then his in his bio line it just says positive vibes only. So then Nick reposts that, and I just couldn't help it. It was so good. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, you know, the Gibson is positive vibes only, and I think the Gibson is great. Um, Lou, I think his name was. The Gibson is great. I like it. Thank you. I, I love the Gibby. Yeah. I call it the Gibby. Shout, shout out to Green Eye Lou. Green Eye Lou. Green Eye Shout out to you, my man. You are you are positive vibes only, my friend. Sucks. Sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and that, was, that was definitely uh, one of the highlights of today, for sure. Um yeah, um, the Gibson is great. Laurel is supposed to open in four weeks. Oh. Um, that's going to be a good fucking time. If you want like high end brasserie food, it's supposed to be fun. Um, <laughs> and go to Chugs for a pancake. Those are all of my parting recommendations. I think that they're all solid. Wait, those are shameless plugs. Wait, I just I just went into the comments on that reel again, uh-huh. and there's what? some other like good stuff. Yeah, tell me. Um, uh, Love this, but <laughs> it's the best. Like, because it used to be the mighty, and some people yeah. are just whatever. Oh yeah, that's right. But my favorite is that I, I <laughs> Dave Arvello went in. Oh yeah, that's Dave, my dog. Did you see his comment on this? On this? On the no, reel? No, no. What is that? Dave Arvello. <laughs> Dave Arvello's positive vibe contribution is the Gibson rules. I love that it has no TVs in it. Also. <laughs> I just love that that's the one thing he decides to single out. It was like the Gibson rules, and there's no TVs. I like that. Which, listen, it's good. There's Sometimes you don't want TVs. No, no I just we think don't it's, want TVs. I just think it's a funny thing for him to have singled out as like the, as the comment. Why, did the Mighty have TVs? It had eight TVs. Is it? That I removed all of them, yeah. Ah. Whereas the Gibson is another fake, fancy, overpriced Miami spot. Amazing. They replaced our beloved neighborhood bar. That's my favorite always. I like how Miami was in quotation marks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Neighborhood spot. That's cool. Anyways. Anyways. Uh, that's it. Uh, we're going we're gonna to stop this. Thank you, Vanessa, for joining Thank us you. for this. And I'm gonna ask You're the best. Thank Thanks you so much. <laughs> and no one has said anything about Vanessa's outfit. It's got fucking roosters on it. It's incredible. The whole thing has been fucking epic, and I love it so much. Thanks for doing this. We're a bunch. We're a shit show. You are the most put together part of this entire thing. <laughs> I love this podcast. Fun <laughs> podcast. <laughs>